Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the GS Night Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans uh, and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 246 uh, of your weekly GS Night Podcast. I'm your host tonight. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I tell you every week, guys, it's not just the pod we have here. Uh, if you get yourself onto the website, you'll find the forums there, there's articles, there's a history of the archive, loads of stuff on the website, so get yourself on there. Uh, as always, I would ask you to promote the pod, subscribe to the YouTube channel, you know, put the word out there, let people uh, know that we're here and what we're doing. Uh, I think we're approaching 6,000 subscribers now, so uh, if, if anyone else out there wants to, I think we're nine off it, so if nine more folk could subscribe, that would be grand. Uh, before I introduce my guests, I will mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering, uh, who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. Uh, they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for a good number of years. Uh, we're delighted they're back in the pod, and if you want more information on them, visit their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. Uh, you can also visit the Forest Precision Precision Executive Lounge, uh, which is a stunning new hospita- hospitality area within the main stand. Uh, for information on how to book this unique and intimate space, email the club at hospitality@rangers.co.uk. Uh, so I'll bring my guests in now. Uh, firstly, I'll bring an egg. Uh, we, were, we were out yesterday in a, uh, in a... I'm not allowed to say, actually, because... <laughs> They were showing the game when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> so I won't say where we were, right? but we found an establishment. I know we made out yesterday on the, the, the post-match show that we were sitting uh, in the executive lounge at Ibrox, but that wasn't the case. We found a far more uh, dingier environment uh, to watch the game. As Jim's, Jim's go, it wasn't very nice, mate, but I got a good session in. You were a good workout for yourself. <laughs> and it's, just, it's good to wake up on a Sunday feeling refreshed and... You know, yeah. my body's a my body's a temple. You know, one of, the, one of the temples that ISIS was destroying uh, <laughs> a few few <laughs> years ago. Yes, a good a good day was had by all, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was, uh, and it was it was a good one as well. We'll, we'll come on and talk about it that. It was, uh, uh, and and also joining us, Gary Valentine. Gary, how are you doing? Not bad, Colin. How's yourself? Not bad. Have you seen the latest developments that came on? I've not. No. No, uh, we, we, we now have, we're now basically the Man City and the PSG of East of Scotland, they've, they've got a money guy in and 11 new signings last week. So they put a tweet out today, uh, our new signings in action. And it was like four tweets long. It became a thread because there was that many new signings. It was just like boom, 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 boom. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of chat this week about all that stuff. And they've, they've got like umpteen new sponsors. And yeah, I, everybody everybody in the league's going to hate them now. And, and to, to, to add a wee bit of comedy to the situation, you know, they made a really big thing about yesterday saying, oh, come along, you know, starting a new era. And they got pumped three too. <laughs> I knew they were playing, but I didn't know what the score was. <clears throat> yeah, Leith Athletic. So yeah, the comedy continues. It came on, but I, I wasn't there. Obviously, I was away watching the Rangers game. I'll probably be there on Saturday, so I'll get a, I'll get a few of the uh, the new boys then. So yeah, I interesting times. All uh, right, guys, <clears throat> I'll get right in about it. Obviously, excuse me, my voice has just left me here. Uh, really good performance, good result. Uh, we were talking yesterday, you know that you know that ground is. It's, it's notoriously bad, you know. I mean, it's <clears throat> I genuinely, <clears throat> dear me, my voice is going here. Uh, I I genuinely struggle to recall a, a, a good game on that ground. You know, that it's a, it's a 
it's the pitch, it's the way Livingston play, everything about it. Put it this way, I wouldn't want to be a season ticket holder uh, at the Tony Macaroni Stadium. Although, let's be honest, uh, they're, they're, they've lost their uh, claim to have the most ludicrously named stadium in Britain. Because I don't know if you've seen what Bolton Wanderers have, have renamed no. their stadium, uh, the Tough Sheet <laughs> Community Stadium. What? <laughs> tough Sheet? <laughs> the Tough Sheet. <laughs> Is that, is that a pronunciation? Oh, could, uh, no, no, is that a, t- t- a pronunciation t- thing for constipation. Sheet. Well, tough, I tough, really sheet. tough. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Stephen, the tweet went out the day. I was like, oh my god. Uh, so I, so Lovingston have lost their their, their claim to have the, the, you know, the sort of most stupidest name to their, their ground. But I mean, it's always a horrible place to go. Uh, but I think you made a good point yesterday. The fact that it was raining, you know, I think you said yesterday that Livy liked it try the pitch out and make it really difficult for teams to go and, and move the ball about. You know, it had been raining, you know, mostly Friday, pretty much all day yesterday. The ball moved about really well. And I would say, you know, behind Hearts, that was probably the second best performance we've, we've had from, from Rangers under Buell. I think especially considering, as you say, the kind of the history, how tough it can be going to Livingston. It's not, and it's not just for ourselves. It's up until recently been a bit of a graveyard uh, for... We're friends across the city as well. Um, and I mean, I, you're thinking, I, I think this is a thing under Bill. We've been, we've been thinking this is where he's going to slip up. This is the one place it's going to happen. And every time we've thought that, not only has he won, but he's getting to, he's actually winning more kind of, wasn't he a lot, a great amount of style involved in the overall performance yesterday? Some style in uh, one or two of the finishes, but I, I thought he was, uh, he's getting better and better. He's just ticking off all these kind of, it's almost like he's working through. Uh, the bad days under Geo, all the places that we had a hard time, you know, going up to Dingle, you know, and dropping points there. Well, he's went up there, he's won one now. Wasn't he great? But it was, you know, it was fairly solid. And but Tanadice, a place that's given us problems under Gerard, you know, last season. Um, he went up there, one, two, and blew him away second half. And I think it's Tyne Castle, I've gone on about this too much the past few weeks myself, you know, how. They were going to try and play as at football. They set up to try and play as at football and never got a sniff. That was their most kind of stylish performance under Bill by a mile at Tynecastle. And then yesterday they were forgetting that not only Livingston, the state, you know, the classic problems with their pitch and just the whole environment, uh, the Tony Macaroni. Uh, it's the fact that they're fourth, Hearts were third, Livingston are fourth, and they're coming off. And I didn't like the fact that they're coming off the back of that kind of slightly humiliating defeat to Inverness in the, in the Scottish Cup. So they're going to be right up for it. And you're thinking if there's going to be a problem, particularly if you've got an eye on the Cup final, too many players focused on the Cup final next week. This is where it's going to go wrong. So obviously we'll, we'll get into how the game actually panned out. Lots of th- lots of problems, lots of things that could have been better, but to come away with a three nothing win, I, I was really really chuffed, mate. Gary, the, the, the starting 11, when I seen the, the starting 11, uh, obviously no Tillman in there, which was a wee bit of a surprise, but you know, I'm assuming he's been rested for next week. You know, Jack's obviously picked up a knock, uh, no Lundstrom in the squad. You know, I looked at that midfield and I did think, you know, based on, you know, I think we could safely say now that maybe Beal diluted the squad too much last week against Thistle and that's why we ended up having the problems that we had. When I saw that midfield, I did think, oh, God, you know what I mean? You know, Kamara, uh, the new boy, what's his name? I'm having a brain Can't freeze again. Carmel, another. Yeah, I just thought, is that enough? You know, in that ground. And But it turned out the total opposite. I mean, I thought Carmel played well, Raskin played well, Kamara played well, we moved the ball about well. So 
overall, you know, when you consider we've got a cup final coming up, we've rested some players, we're, we're giving some other players a chance to come back from injury. Uh, boys that are coming back, like Ruth, you know, they got a few minutes on the park as well. So overall, uh, despite having not not sort of a mild heart attack, but when I did sort of look at that midfield thinking, oh, that could that 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 might cause us problems today. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, but I think um, I'm signing Cantwell and Raskin. That's shown the, the level of players that he's wanting to bring in, guys that, that can just come in and be first-team players. Um, I, I reckon if uh, Jack and Lundstrom are maybe fit, they maybe wouldn't have started, um, as he seems to be kind of uh, introducing them gradually, but it's good that he can to bring in players of that quality and it doesn't really dilute um, the talent that's in the park. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I just hope the other guys are are fit for, for next week. Also, do you think it, I mean, one player I think that's played as if his years he's been safe this season is, is John Lundstrom. You know what I mean? There, there has been an attitude, uh, or, or it looks like there's an attitude of, well, no one's, no, there's no one there to take my jersey. So it's good that Cantwell and Raskin have arrived, you know, because that competition for places, you know, that encourages players to, to, to perform at their best because they know if they don't perform at their best, well, that guy there, he's going to come in and, and have a crack and take the jersey off you. Yeah, that's the way it should be. You know, I, I don't know if, if Lundstrom is maybe still living on the last few months of last season and think he is maybe undrop, undroppable, untouchable. But um, as you say, that's, that's why you need the quality players in all positions so that you are always looking over your shoulder. And when you do finally get in the team, you know that you can't have a poor performance or you know, somebody else jump at the bit to come in and, and get that jersey. So it's uh, I don't know if you, you listen to Bill's uh, interview that he done on Rangers TV with my Dodds during the week that's what he was saying he's what a 23 man squad all players at a similar level and then it's just a case of them fighting out for the positions that's, yeah. that's healthy that's what you want yeah I'd agree with that uh, Ek, you know the as I said, we were sort of commenting early doors, you know, after sort of five, ten minutes, you were you were worried uh, that the big man for Levy had scored in the fifth minute uh, at Livingston. They'd done the same at, at, at Ibrox. So when we got to the sixth minute yesterday, we were, we were quite relieved. Uh, but we started so well, you know, we were commenting early doors after sort of 10, 15 minutes. Really started well here. Then we get the goal, you know, uh, Sakala gets a goal, but it's chopped off. Then we get the penalty. So, one, we'll, we'll talk about James Tavernier now, but I, I think we should focus on the VAR side of things at the moment. Uh, the ref didn't award it. You know, James uh, Penrice, he's, 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 he's tugged at Alfredo Morales' shirt. I didn't see it initially, but when you see the replay, it looked fairly obvious to me that it's that it's a penalty. Uh, I felt, and I commented on this yesterday when, when I was with I felt the VAR check took far too long for something... Is obvious as you know you can you can see the tug on the shot. I, I don't know why. Uh, I believe it was Andrew Dallas that was on uh, the, the VAR yesterday. I don't know why it took him so long to, to say to the referee, "You maybe want to have a look at this." So that would be my only complaint. But in terms of the award itself, I mean, if, if that's given against you, it's one of the ones you think it's a bit soft. But I think we categorise it yesterday as given the referee a decision when you do something like that, especially with VAR now. You know what I mean? You're given the referee a decision to make. And I thought that was top trolling of um, Stephen Thompson, sports team. That's nearly exactly word for word what he said. He's given the he's given the referee a decision to make. We were picking yeah. the air quotes as classic uh, as classic <laughs> kind of sports scene speak. But then Stephen didn't let us down. And I have to also give credit to uh, I don't know if it's credit or blame to it was Scott Scott Parson and um, 
Brian were on Friday night's preview pod and I knew Nubly, the same guy had scored in both the previous two games against uh, yeah. against Livingston. He scored from the both of those games. I didn't realise it was the exact same time, kind of fourth, fifth minute. You know, so I was just say it was like, sweet. and then when it took us so long to get to two on, started thinking this time he's going to equalise. We're sitting this in the, the with five minutes to go. Point. He's going to equalise yeah. with five minutes to go this time. Just to just to sickness, but um, I, I know VAR. I, mean, I know you're, you're you're not a huge fan, and um, I'm I'm not a huge fan. I, I don't really I don't really care one way or another. But I look the commentators, what the pundits, the way they react to VAR. It's really got nothing to do with VAR. I'm not. You were always saying quite rightly in the before Scotland got VAR like kind of last season and I was saying folk are offering up as if it's going to be a cure-all it's going as if it's going to be cure everything and now it feels like it's going the other way and you, you were quite right you know because it's, it's, not, it's not going to cure everything but um, I feel as if it's going the other way now where folk are just throwing up all VAR you know is to blame for everything and half the time they're, they're just using it as a kind of this kind of acronym it used to be basically it's almost like a, you could do a facial joke about it. It used to be these kind of lazy pundits on match of the day and whatever. We just go, oh, VAR, VAR, you know, like mm-hmm. we need VAR. And now, and now they're going, VAR? I mean, VAR? What the fuck is that? <laughs> no, how come VAR's not doing anything about yeah. that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, um, so it's made me more kind of, just kind of analyse and think, listen, this is getting out of control. It's kind of, it's getting too, it's too partisan. It's kind of lazy. But one of the things that is definitely wrong with it, especially in Scotland, is the slowness. As, you, as you're saying, the speed to make decisions and hopefully you know it's not going to be perfect straight away it's never going to be perfect referees never going to be perfect but hopefully that's one of the things they can improve on I know it's, you can only have VAR if you've got like six cameras minimum in the stadium and I'm imagining at Almondville sorry the, the West Lothian Courier sorry the, the Tony Macro but whatever it is <laughs> the, the, the half shit stadium they've actually probably got the minimum they've probably got six cameras you know um, yeah. yesterday and also, they'll be very aware that the politics around it, this is why we might mention a guy who did the most hypocritical report on refereeing and how we've got to be nice to referees uh, back this, at the beginning this week in the BBC. But they're under such pressure that because of pundits, because fans are jumping in the back of this. And you'll have seen the Arsenal-Brentford game last week where yeah, the guys were yeah, so yeah. busy trying to work on one offside decision, they missed another one in the same phase of play. That should have, you know, the, the goal should have been ruled out, and uh, Arteta's wanting them all executed and stuff like that for no for for costing them two points. Well, well, so uh, I think, he did I think, get one of them one, one of them's away, one of them's left because of that. Aye, that's it. You know, it's getting, it's it's just getting, it's getting because I mean, I'm not being funny, but Arteta's no maybe made the best decisions every week. He's picking his team and tactics wise, and that it's that old thing of referees are getting hung out to dry by guys who are paid a lot more money and make a lot more mistakes. You know, in their in their side yeah. of the football job, but I think. One of the things that came out of that kind of kerfuffle with that Arsenal game was you've got to analyse everything that goes on. So probably, you can see how the referee doesn't see it on the park at the time because he's got big, massive centre-forwards and Alfredo's arse and everything's in the way, you know, between him yeah. and spotting what's going on. But the VAR obviously has picked it up straight away. And they, But then they'll probably have to analyse other stuff. Has anything happened? Has any Rangers players done anything before... No, we saw the situation later on where Ryan Kent went through and it, it was clearly fouled and we think that's a penalty but it turned out it was actually offside. It was offside, you know, so yeah. count. So they're probably looking at something else that can maybe countermand something else that's happened. You know, a Rangers player maybe committed a foul or it's been offside or something in the build-up. I mean, it's come to a corner, but it's in, in the build-up to that incident. So, so, and I think that's half the problem the whole VR stuff. We don't know everything that's going on and I, it won't make any difference. The more, the more the fans get told, the more they'll find ways to get upset about it. But 
I think a lot of times we don't actually know what's going on, but it's definitely a problem, the amount, the length of time it's taken. It's only been in Scotland for about three, four months, so hopefully that'll get better. And they'll need, hopefully get better technology, you know, for things like plotting off sides and all that. But as you say, it's, it's a pretty straightforward decision. You know, I would be interested to know exactly what the process is. And I think there's a, there's a wee programme coming on. Um, it's BBC Scotland, unfortunately. The uh, verdict or something is coming on. It's a, uh, going to be this discussion what goes on in the VAR room and that and how it actually works. But I don't think that'll clear out not, but it may give, give you an idea of why it took so long. But the main thing is we got the penalty. I, see, it's, it's terrible. I, I don't mind. I actually quite enjoy the drama. I'm not so keen on it when it's my team, but see, watching football generally, I quite enjoy it. You know, it drags it out longer. I get mere, mere buying from my buck. You know, the game's going longer and uh, everybody kind of gets upset and excited. You know, I quite, I quite enjoy it all. But when it's Rangers, no, you're just like, that's a penalty. Gives it on it straight away. But the main thing is we got it and, <laughs> and Tav converted it. That was the main thing. Uh, on Tav Gary, uh, you know, I mean, he's not had his best season. Uh, he's, uh, for long periods, it looks like he's he's been carrying an injury. He, he, he certainly, he's not opening up his legs when he's running. You know, he's he's struggling in that respect. Uh, but he's he reached a, a milestone yesterday when he took his penalty and scored it. That's fifty goals from penalties he scored for, for Rangers. He obviously also got the the, the free kick was, a, was an absolute peach uh, uh, later on in the in the second half. So even though he's not had the the, the, the best of seasons, you know, I, I think we have to, you know, give him a give him an easier time here because I've, I've heard a lot of people criticised him this season, and, and the standards that he set, especially in that Europa League run last season, you know, he scored pretty much in every round on on the way to the final. I think he was the top goal scorer in the tournament, which is pretty much unheard of for a fullback. So I do think we have to think about the, st- the standards that he set. You know, he's not going to set those those standards every single season. Uh, so even although he's he has struggled this season, he's still a vital player in that team. Yeah, he actually uh, did my point that I was going to make about about Tav is that uh, the form he had last season, he can he could be a wee bit of a victim of his own success. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, he's first for having a poor season. I think they said that was his tenth goal of the season yesterday. To, to a right back and can the amount of assists and chances he makes, you know, like, uh, that's a, a poor season. You know, like, I, I, I don't see what a, a great season is going to be because you know, if he better as that, he's can running for player of the year or whatever. Yeah, and I just I, I didn't understand how the, the, the flack he gets because he can it, it very rarely misses a game. He's nearly always involved in uh, goals and assists and things like that. And for, for all the, the statisticians and uh, whatever that are into football now, uh, his numbers are just ridiculous for a for a fullback. And considering we signed him for like two hundred grand or whatever it was, you know, we've made that money back tenfold. I mean, the free kick yesterday, I and mean, he scored the free kick earlier on uh, at Livingston as well. I think it was the opening game of the season that you yeah. know he, he got the equaliser that day. But that free kick yesterday. Uh, that is that is as top bend as you can get. No, it's in the keeper. An absolute cracker. Yeah. And I mean, you made the one he scored against Hibs in his very first game because similar kind of angle put it at that post. But yeah, absolute cracking goal. And as when he walks away, just shrugging his shoulders like as if you know, right. like, it's class, absolute class. And uh, his his penalty was a, a very good penalty as well, considering they missed the one last week. Yeah, and that's, and that's another thing. He's brave. He takes it, even though he's missed last week. He's, he's still yeah. prepared. To step that's up. not the first time he, he's, he's missed a few penalties. And he always stands up and takes a takes the next one. Takes the next one. So that's a, a captain and a leader for me. 
Uh, going into the second half, uh, I mean, totally dominant in the first half, and we'll, we'll come on to talk about it, the, the sort of the inability to kill the game off, uh, and the fact that we, we kind of relied on two set pieces yesterday with the free kick and the penalty for, for, for two of the three goals. You know, we, we had a lot of chances and cut them wide open at times, but just that sort of inability to, to put the game to bed, to, to, to finish them off. And then we had this wee sort of 10, 15 minute spell sort of halfway through the, the second half when all of a sudden Livingston are pressing us further up the field. We just can't seem to get out. I mean, they, they weren't battering at the door. You know, McGregor wasn't making save after save, but there a couple of wee half chances and, you know, and, and that's, you get back to that sort of nervous thing of, you know, because we've not put the game to bed, all it takes is something stupid and all of a sudden they're back in the game and we, we find ourselves struggling. So it was, it was a wee bit frustrating to, to, to go through that. And, you know, it's going on about the poor finishing. It's, that's, that's what makes you uncomfortable. You know, you're, you're putting pressure on the defenders there. If you're creating a chance after chance, I mean, the one with Kent when he was right through, I mean, I know Kent's playing really, really well at the moment, but I mean, that was a really poor chance to miss. I think his second touch was poor. It's knocked it too far in front of him and therefore it's, it's narrowed his angle. But if you don't put teams to bed, you're putting pressure on the defenders. You know, that means they've got to keep that 1-0 that scoreline. You know, they can't concede. So, although we've, you know, how many games has Beal had now? Is that 14? And he said 13 wins and one draw or something like that. Uh, you know, you can't argue with the form. But there there is things in there that we need to improve. We need to be, you know, putting teams to bed a, a lot sooner. Absolutely. And, uh, and then, Gary's waxing lyrical quite rightly about the about the captain who I think is an all time Rangers hero and it's Tav that puts puts Kent through as well for that chance. He's 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 immense, uh, Tav. His numbers, as Gary said, are, are, are just to speak for themselves. And I think the other thing with James Tavney is we've all suspected he was uh, carrying an, an injury. You know that the club were maybe covering up or whatever for whatever reason because it, well, whether that's right or wrong, you know. Um, the fact that when he was playing poorly with what we thought was an injury, the whole team was playing poorly. And I think that that in itself tells us tells us what we need to know. We may be relying on too much, but um, a lot of folk talking about it was a one-year anniversary, uh, the, the game in Dortmund uh, on Friday there was it one year since we, we won 4-2 in the West Fallon. Tav scored, you know, that game. He scores two in the return leg uh, at Ibrox. He scores a first goal in every one of the European games at Ibrox. You know, he just... He, stops, he stands up to take the penalty. We don't want to talk about the penalty shoot. You know, in Seville, I still haven't really processed what happened over there. But the captain stands up and uh, just slams away the, the first penalty to set the tone, you would have thought, in, in, in the shootout in Seville. He's, he's an absolute legend uh, for me. And you're right, we were, we didn't finish it off. And suddenly, we're, you see, we, we had the wee joke about Nubly, you know, it's like, that's a six minute, he's no scored, but you get to that point. And it's also that that thing that had been going for you at the beginning of the game where the pitch is slick, it's a bit wet, this is helping us. You're suddenly starting to think, oh, no, this is going to help Livingston. They just need to lob one ball in there and it skids off somebody's heads because it's so wet or whatever. And that's it. It's it's one each. We can't be bothered with big comebacks a week before a cup final. Blah, blah, blah. You've got points and you've kind of basically gifted Celtic the championship the week before they go to try and take uh, another trophy off them. So I, I think, the, the, the and I think it coincided by the way with Jason Holt coming on. Jason Holt come on for Livingston, um, I don't know, five, ten minutes into the second half. And I think that was Martin Dale saying to himself, right, we're just getting... You know, we've got the ball. Rangers have got the ball the whole game. We need to go and try and do something to get it off them and try and, and try and get it for. And they did. They had a good, as you say, they had that spell where they really worried us. Um, I am. Um, I think it, it reminds me a, a lovely thing that Michael Beale said 
um, a few weeks ago, as I said, we, we, we seduce ourselves with possession football. We think that having the ball is enough. He's on it. Bale understands it. And you can see him eking it out of them. You can see there's a lot of scar tissue there. Um, I think there might be a lot of, still a lot of knackeredness as well from maybe not having a proper pre-season under Gio for the rumours are to be believed and also, you know, what they went through in the, the Champions League group stages. But, and even the, the run to Seville last season, I think they played into it as well. But you can see him slowly making them a bit better almost every time. And I'm actually, as I said this yesterday, and it is kind of darkly superstitious. It's a, it's a bit just kind of mumbo-jumbo, the kind of stuff a, a helpless football fan does to try and convince himself everyone's going to be all right. But I actually think the way we've been playing, where we've had a few bursts of great football against teams who try to play as at football, and then we kind of struggle against the low block. And it makes us think we're going back to being what we were under Geo at the end there. But we work our way through it. I think that's getting a real kind of... It's getting it's getting kind of fundamentals into the legs of these players. It's like Bill's got the kind of he's got the kind of preliminary sketches, and you can see him starting to flesh it out, it's starting to put some paint on it, starting to colour it up, and, and really make this team come to life. And his his vision's been slowly realised. And I didn't want it to peak before we play. If it's I want to time it so if it peaks, it's going to be next Sunday. I was actually in a strange way kind of glad we struggled a bit yesterday while also getting the points and end up getting three goals. I thought it was kind of perfect because I want us to go in under the radar next week. The, the worst thing you can do, I think, in this situation is go in to next uh, Sunday, think, you know, the players, the Rangers players will be starting to think, oh, we're world beaters. We've got to start visualising lifting that trophy. What they want to do is concentrating on themselves and there was enough, that inability to still break lines when we've got all these soap we've both can't well, we've got Raskin even supposed to be a bit of a line breaker. But we still, as you say, can you get goals for the open play when we need them? We go through long periods of these games. Like, are we going to get that second goal? Are we going to follow this up? But when Hearts set up against us to play at football, we pumped them. <laughs> Constantly, we just played them <laughs> apart the whole game. You know, even when Celtic came to Ibrox, we gave them, we gifted them a goal straight away, but we played our way back into that game in the start of that second half. We really, we, we got pumped in about them. We really tore them to pieces for a good 20 minutes. Wasn't nothing they end up. And I think... It's building towards next week. And I'm, as I say, it's really a really perverse thing to say, but I, I like the idea that we've, we've kept our powder dry a wee bit because Celtic are certainly going to try and play as at football next week. They're going to try and play as off the park. And I think that will hopefully also act as a release for a lot of these, even like Cantwell and Raskin, just a few games they've played, they'll suddenly think, oh, this is good. I'm maybe getting more space. If, no, if they're selected, obviously. Um, I'm getting more space than I've been getting these previous games. Uh, with Angels, I'm going to enjoy this. So, I it's bad, mate. It is, but we, it's, it's something to work on. But it's definitely we're definitely getting better at it. We're definitely we're winning all these games, as you say. Um, but there's definitely more to be done, and I'm kind of glad there is. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary on uh, Cantwell and, and Raskin. You know, again yesterday, I thought I saw Raskin stats today. Really impressive. You know. Does it, it doesn't really stand out in a game, just quietly seems to go about his business, uh, which I think is always a sign of, of, of a good acquisition. Cantwell, uh, I think me and Ed were talking about him yesterday during the game. You know, again, signs there, lovely, lovely feet, good touches. Just, just in my opinion, just needs to add a wee bit of finished product, you know, a, a, an end product to his game, you know, whether it be assists or goals or anything. But there was a, there was a couple of wee flicks in that yesterday. You just thought, aye, this, this guy looks good. So they do, we were talking earlier on that you know, adds competition for places, you know, with the likes of Ryan Jack and, and Lundstrom, who have maybe felt fairly comfortable with, with their places in the team because there wasn't a huge amount of competition. 
you know, these two guys look like they could be quality acquisitions, and it looks like they're, they're certainly going to add to the the, the squad and, and probably the, the starting eleven. I definitely, and the thing is, especially Raskin, he can play other positions, not just the, the kind of holding midfielder. Um, so, like, we were, we were talking about Lundstrom earlier, Raskin's playing the same kind of position, but to me, there's a lot more to his game. Seems like a lot more energy in that to, to kind of uh, sweep behind the, the midfield. So it's good that you can have um, like players to play in the same position, but they give you a totally different... Uh, like tactic you could use, if you know what I mean. So uh, it's as good as you. Uh, it's, it's having all these different people. As we kind of see there, uh, players that are the level of the first team players, but you don't need to play them every game. They can play certain games, maybe suit them more. As you say, Scantwell, maybe a game yesterday, maybe wouldn't have played if everyone was fit. But then you'd maybe play against the Hearts away because you can know you've got more space, you can do more things. So yeah, good, it gives us options in these two guys. And Ruth as well, Gary, you know, I mean, I know he's, he's he has becoming a bit of a, you know, a caricature of himself in terms of his injuries. When he came on against Aberdeen a few weeks ago, it was almost, it was almost a joke. <laughs> you know, he went off after like 10 minutes holding his, his shoulder. He's just like, you know, I mean, waited the best part of a year almost to, to, to get him back. Uh, and, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, he's off again. Uh, I was really chuffed he got his goal yesterday because I mean, he's a really intelligent player. I think he's the best striker we've got at the club. The issue is obviously his fitness. We can't get him on the field to give us enough minutes. Uh, but I just think he's so intelligent, hard working. You know, it's him that gets the foul yesterday for, for the free kick and puts Livy down to 10 men. And when, t- when Taft scores that free kick, it's pretty much game over then. You know, it, it always kind of works like that if, you know, a team scores from a free kick where they've, they've lost a man because of the foul. You know, it's him that draws that foul. And he's just such an intelligent player. And I was I was really chuffed that he got his goal yesterday. And I tell you something else, it was so determined. Because it was him that went up for the initial heater and then it bounced about. I actually think he shoved Ben Davies out the road to get I to it, you know, to, to get his shot away. You know, he's just so determined to, to, to as well. Um, yeah, aye. It was just like out the road, I'm scoring, you know what I mean? Aye. That's what you're wanting. You're wanting guys to that's that's the hunger you're wanting and the the the, the drive to, to succeed. That's what but Rangers have been slated for parts of the season that some of the guys are, are just bottle merchants or whatever and have they got the fight when it's they go and get stuff uh, talking about Ruth the, the, the shot he had before uh, that was out wide I actually think the keeper made a save there he uh, just mm-hmm. nicked it or that could have been going in the, the far post but a, kind of, a different kind of kind of strike for his, his actual goal but yeah I think maybe Beal's now in a position where he's got to try and uh, manage Ruth a bit better and hopefully what will mean we can get more cameos for him in the like because even in the say the semi-final came on got his goal and passed into the final so it's uh, as a, hopefully he gets a, a, a run of games injury free we can see the best of him again and it's good when you consider next week another option I mean I would doubt he would start Aye. but like, like in the semi-final uh, when we played them last year an option to bring on because I, I, I genuinely think he's one of these strikers that worries defenders. You know, they, they genuinely they worry yeah, about that guy. His movement, his movement's so good. He's strong in the air. He's he's almost like a complete centre forward. But as I said, the problem is you just you just can't get him fit enough to to, to, to like play myself. enough game. But yeah, I suffer for that. I must admit, certainly on a Wednesday night after the fives. But it's, it's another option for Sunday. You know, it just, it does feel like it, it, 
for long periods of the season, you know, we've had injury concerns and big players out at, at, at important times. It feels like they're coming back, you know, at the right time, given, yeah. you know, there's a major cup final next week. Yeah, well, I said, you know, can Ruth, Sakala, Morelos and Kolak, that's four international level strikers. And every one of them gives you something different. So it's an absolute brilliant position to be in. So if they're all fit, ideal, and it's a, you can always try something. If it doesn't work, you've got five subs, you can, you can change it and it doesn't really affect if any injuries happen or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's a good position. So it's good that they're all kind of getting minutes before this big game next week. Eck, on next week, uh, how are you feeling? We were joking yesterday in the, the sort of post-match vid that, you know, it was a type of game that certainly in the 80s when I remember going to watch Rangers, if you're playing Celtic the following week and you were pumping a team, you know, the whole chant of bring on the Celtic, that would start to ring around Ibrox and all that kind of stuff. It felt like that kind of performance yesterday, you know, made a bit of a statement. Huffed and puffed a couple of times through the, through the game, you know, we, we should have won in a more convincing manner. Uh, in my opinion but you know it was a fairly routine victory as I say players are coming back now we've, we've got a, a, a far better squad we're in far better form you know 14 games under Beal 13 wins and it should have been 14 you know we were uh, we were a bit slack in letting Celtic back into that game uh, on the 2nd of January but we couldn't really ask for more going into a major cup final really no, and, and while well, you're talking about uh, joking and we're, we're post-match vid, and I see you're wearing the, the ear defenders yourself tonight, I have to, I have to apologise to Nicky Devlin, uh, the captain of uh, Livingston. I put a tweet out about this today. It's amazing the difference, uh, you know, one and a half pints are kind of lagging in line makes. Um, remember at the beginning of the game, watching the game, I'm stone cold sober, and there's Nicky Devlin comes out with his ear defenders on. The big yeah, yellow yeah, yeah, ear thing. yeah. And uh, somebody's got, oh, let's see, what's that all about? And I'm like, maybe the guy's got a problem. You know what I mean? God's sake, he's maybe got a problem. Don't be slagging the fella. Cut to, you know, a half pint later on, and I'm on the video and going, what was it, Nicky Devlin, all about with these stupid ear things on? <laughs> Turns out that he was actually doing it in solidarity in support of the Rangers mascot. The Rangers mascot, yeah. Ear, ear defenders. It was an absolutely class act uh, by Nicky Devlin. So, of course, I'm mouthing off like an idiot. Um, just that a day after, you know, uh, Chelsea's worst ever striker is, is slagging uh, Michael Beale for having a mole in his face. I'm joining in. I'm Friday night. I'm going. That's petty and childish. And there's me yesterday doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, but Chris Sutton knew he was being childish and petty. We didn't. I, you know what I mean? I, well, I, I did it at the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, <laughs> um, it was absolutely pathetic. The, the guy, uh, Nicky Devlin, absolute class act, and I think he deserves he deserves a mention. That was that was that was different class. Uh, we support good Rangers people there, but um, I mean, I think, and you're, you're right. We're saying about Kamar Roof. It's great to have him as, as we go into this game. Uh, it was like a doctor in one of the kind of you know the, the old American you know kind of cop shows where there's an accident and then somebody comes pushing to the front. You know, out the way, I'm a doctor. That's what it was like at that right. goal. It's like out my road. I know how to put the ball in the back of the net. And the, what we'd watched um, in the kind of you know forty odd minutes up to that point of us failing to score from open play. Um, feeling to put the ball away as Gary's saying the minute Ruth comes on he has that shot that just went past the, the far post and it's, it shows up in a stark relief just what a difference he makes he's so dangerous all the time and as I'm always saying I don't care how injured he gets and all that you know I mean I, I do because obviously you know, I want him to play all the time if he did he would have been away uh, you know last year because you know everybody would want to buy him um, but he's just phenomenal to watch and he's just worth having you know to get like 50 minutes out of my season because he's just going to come on and score and uh, I that that him 
him being and, and managing to get through his you know twenty minutes at Livingston without an, another injury was absolutely fantastic. Especially on that pitch. Especially on that pitch, especially when he was running towards uh, Craig Ray of you know Jersnet fame, who was telling us a day to look out for him. Um, and there he is in the corner that Big Kamar runs towards um, at Almondvale living. I keep forgetting Tony Macaroni. There's Craig of Jersnet fame. I'm disappointed he didn't have a big kind of Jersnet loyal banner to advertise the advertise the podcast. But um, I was it was great to see him doing the business. And next week. I think you're right with the 80s. That, that strongest you got bring on the Celtic for a lot of the 80s. It was because you know we were the, we were actually looking forward to games against Celtic. We actually kind of kidding ourselves on. We had a chance. There was a chance against Celtic. It was Aberdeen in the United, particularly Aberdeen. We couldn't keep up with uh, in the days. But I, it would be. It, 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 I think we've just timed it right. I think, as I say, Beal's kind of got them going. He's, he's improving them all the time. And there's a lot still to be done. I think the focus will be right. We'll be more thinking about ourselves uh, than than thinking about you know. Uh, being the big I am kind of thing, be going to, I don't think we'll be getting carried away with ourselves. I think the focus will be there, um, and it's uh, it's a great chance because it will mean so much more. The League Cup in itself have not won it for so long, and it'd be a, a, a trophy that we grew up with Rangers just winning routinely. It'll be great to get it back. It'll be, it'll be great to have to have that again in itself, you know. But I think in terms of really testing this post Coglu's Celtic, who haven't had you know the, the phenomenal domestic record this season. We really have to get under their skin somehow, kind of knock them off the rails. And um, I think it'd be no better way to do it. Especially, I think, if we could win next week, it would make Celtic start to think they can't beat us at Hamden. They don't post a cog they can't beat us at Hamden. I mean, we've won, we've won as many games at Hamden under three different managers, if you want to count. David McCallum stepping in for, for Gerrard, uh, as Posta Coglu has, you know, uh, as Celtic manager. So mm-hmm. um, I think if we get Beal in there, he's he knows, he knows what he's doing. To next week, it could be it would signal as mounting a proper challenge to them uh, on all fronts, and uh, I, I'm 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 as nervous about it as I am kind of looking forward to it, and that's always the way you should feel. I think going into a game like this, the reason I want us to win it is I'm I'm just I can't wait for the the league cup to be derided as a diddy cup again. You know what I mean? Because it's matters yes. for the last twelve years or so. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. would, it would be good for it to get its rightful place as being well, derided as a diddy cup because it always is the minute we win it. It's got three. The only the only trophy in Scotland and England, the only major domestic trophy would be three handles, and it was always only any use if it was part. I always thought it was quite symbolically quite good because it was only ever any use as part of a treble. You know, um, but no, it'll be absolutely fantastic. And remember, of course, if you win, if we win the league cup and the Scottish cup. That makes us better than Celtic if they win the league, you know. Because remember, two, yeah, yeah, the two cups are are better than that. Each Which one. is a shame because that that was the real shame about us no winning that penalty shootout um, in Seville because a Europa League and a Cup Winners Cup would be better than a European Cup, you know, by that by that same metric. So you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I as I say, I don't. If we're going to win it next week, I would like to win. You know, obviously pump them, but the main thing I would actually prefer, I think, for it to be a clearly terrible VAR decision. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that gives us the cup. You know what I mean? Oh, that would that would be uh, oh, absolute melt. Right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Just do you want to consider it? I think I think I recently uh, resigned. FM would would come back into office to to to, to hold a major inquiry. If I am anyway, right. uh, <laughs> Gary. On on the other issues that have uh, been sort of on on the go this week. Uh, you know, Michael Beale's been 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 in the press a lot this week. One or two things he, that we should mention. The first thing is Chris Sutton. So he, he's obviously responded to 
to comments made by him about Tillman's goal against Thistle. And I have to be honest, I mean, some of the stuff that came out about that, I, I found it incredible. You know, when you consider the gesture that Rangers done, you know, the, 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 they gave Partick Thistle their goal. And, you know, rather than people applauding the, the gesture and saying, actually, that was a decent thing to do, they should get credit for that. It's been almost derided. Would they do it against Celtic? Would they do it against other teams? I noticed the hipster shower that have their show on a Friday night on BBC One. They were having a go as well, saying it was really patronising towards Partick Thistle. You're thinking, what did Rangers have to do to get some credit here? They, you know, if they hadn't have done it, they'd have got stick. And, and because they did do it, they're getting stick. But we'll, we'll focus on the comments from uh, from, from Sutton and, and the, the sort of response from uh, Michael Beale. Now, some people... Uh, you know Barry Ferguson has had he say uh, Alan McCoyst also has had he say saying you know you know what he shouldn't have said then and it's just like let Sutton spout off and and, and don't don't respond others and I, I'm kind of in this camp I'm kind of the feeling it was time something had to be said because there's just so much nonsense coming for these people that I, I think Beale's well within his rights to say, actually, you know what, you can just shut up as far as I'm concerned, you know what I mean? He's he's, he's a bit of a balloon. And what, what really bugs me about Sutton is the difference of his sort of, the level he's punditry. You know, when he's talking about the, the Premier League, like, see when you listen to the Monday Night Club on, on Five Live, you know, the sort of level of punditry he offers then is, is miles away from what, from what he does when it comes to the, the Scottish football stuff. It's almost if he looks at the Scottish football hands a bit of a joke and, and he can just piss about. And that, that annoys me. I find it quite patronising that he doesn't give the same sort of level of uh, seriousness and professionalism to, to the Scottish stuff as, as, as he does English stuff. So I'm, I'm actually all right with you giving it a bit back. I, th- I, think, I think he was entitled to do so. Definitely. Um, I, I agree with you. Certainly he's done it for long enough in, in Scotland. And the thing that annoys me more is that the people that are above him allow him to do it. Because he's... As 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 comments they they create controversy and get people talking like that. All they've done is speak about that uh, Rangers giving Partick the goal all week, and I've never seen anybody actually mention the penalty that Partick got or anything like that. It's been totally forgotten about just to focus on an act of good sportsmanship. And uh, I say that something's in the same camp as uh, as Michael Stewart for me. I, I didn't follow him on Twitter. I, his own ignored just because everything that comes out of his mouth is just to stir up Rangers fans and try and get bites and whatever but um, I, I laughed at one of the things I did see on Twitter and somebody had said that um, because Celtic had signed Sutton for Chelsea and Chelsea had signed Loudrop for Rangers that means Sutton's better than Loudrop so I, I, I get <laughs> That gives me a good laugh during the week on Twitter. Uh, that's a giggle, that, isn't it? <laughs> uh, as for certain, Kerry, he's done it for that long, and it's about time somebody gave him a bit easy in medicine. Can I remember him uh, going over the score with Cassini live on television and, and things like that as well. So it's, it's good to see somebody getting a wee, a wee dig at him to see how, how he likes it. Hey, where, do, where do you stand? I, I, was, I was about to come in. It, you know, it's, it's. I mean, the, the point I was making earlier on about you know how he doesn't seem to take it as serious as up here as he does down the road. I can remember I used to work with a, a, a grade one referee. Okay, I won't name him. 
Uh, but if, if he's watching, he'll know, he'll know he is. Uh, I used to work with him in, a, in an office in Cumbernauld. And he used to sometimes referee games that we were involved in, like tournaments and stuff like that, you know. And he would make some really odd decisions and just laugh about it. And and so I said to him one day, I was like, that, that, was, that was a shocking decision. And he's like, oh, Colin, it's just a piss about it. I was like, isn't it us, mate? You know what I mean? This this matters to us. I know it's maybe a piss about to you because you, you referee at a high level. But just because, you know, we put up our own nets and all the rest, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter as much to us. This is our cup final. So you need to take it as seriously as we're taking it. Uh, and that's how I feel with Sutton. I just think he looks at this as if it's just a piss about. I also think he's, you know, he's he's peddling a line that's that's coming straight for Peter Law. But the the way that he does it, you know, as I say, when you listen to him on a Monday night, uh, on on the Monday night club, it's night and day from from how how he conducts himself up here, and he actually contradicts himself at times. You know, views that he takes on the game down south are, are totally different from the views that he takes up here. So I, I, it actually makes me sometimes. How does he get a gig? You know, what I mean, he's just he's just all over the shop. I was quite relieved uh, a, wee, a wee while ago. I saw a couple of weeks back the, the game that got Jesse March sacked. Uh, at least eventually sacked um, one of the ones he, he lost at Nottingham Forest, lost at the City Ground. It was Patrick Bamford um, that the striker had said. He just mentioned that we played run in his post-match interview. He just come off a one-nil defeat. The fellow is a professional football player. He's raging, and he said, "And Patrick Bamford is one of the most softest and nicest spoken guys you can you'll ever hear. A, a, a lovely fella and a, a lovely footballer when he's." When he's fit, uh, he just said something about uh, they hadn't played to what to my strengths. You know, I, I was kind of left alone myself in the box. You know, I had nobody to try to feed me the ball. So straight away, there is the headline on BBC uh, Sports website was Chris Sutton says Bamford's totally out of order to hang his manager out to dry like that. Basically, he's got Jesse March the sack. What what a low thing to do and all that. And I thought, oh, at least once I've seen him. Putting the same the, the same kind of hyperbolic hysterical line yeah. uh, towards the English press uh, as he does up here, and you were saying I think I'm, I'm not being a smart ass, but I th- it actually just made me think you were talking about it being a lack of professionalism. I think this is his profession. Now. This is actual perfect, and it's disgusting. The, the boys were talking. Um, so I love the conversation that uh, a really interesting conversation that Scott and Brian had about it on Friday. They, they just touched on this stuff, and they're talking to the fan media versus what is now what is still considered the mainstream media. And I was always, I don't know about yourself, but I was always worried, oh, if it's fan media, you're just going to be going in there going, it's a conspiracy, what are you doing about it? You know, while the mainstream media guys are asking pertinent football questions, it's the exact opposite. You listen to these press conferences these days, your Rangers of you, whatever, um, heart and hand, they're like, hey, are you going to play Ryan Kent a bit wider all the time or do you want him to be more fluid? You know, it goes to the Rangers of you and they're like, um, Jenk Cantwell can sit in behind Morelis. Or could, is he going to go wide right at all? You know, go to, you know, the Daily Express or whatever it is, you know. Oh, by the way, Chris Sutton was saying you've got a mole in your face. You know, what are you going yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, pathetic. You're you actually getting, I think the it's a, a race for hits. We've been talking this before, you know, with the thing that happened with Heart and Hand last season in the Daily Records. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a race for hits. They're, they're kind of, it is dying, you know, I, I'd say. And they're trying to get, they, it seems to be, and that's why the, the coverage of VAR, I think, speaks to this as well. You've got Sheeran and all that just sitting there match a the day going, it's a joke, it's a joke. And they're eventually going to get a referee killed. You know, it is going to happen. And who was reporting on that on Monday? Mr. Kering and Shearing. It was Chris Sutton doing a report for BBC, you know, London, about the things that are happening to referees. 
Aye, grassroots level, yeah. BAR for me is like Brexit, right? I'm not going to get party political, but this, this works if you're, you know, a Remainer or a Lever or whatever. Um, it's and there was plenty of good. I'm slightly to the left of politics, so there's, there was plenty of good reasons for a kind of socialist point of view, if you like, for leaving the EU. It's you know kind of anti-nationalisation and stuff like that. But when I saw the reasons that leave EU were putting forward were basically lies and racism. So you look and you're looking at the people that are doing it, and you're thinking. Even if in some way they, some of their aims slightly coincide with mine, the fact that it's them that are perpetrating it, I don't want any day with this. I'm going to, you know, if we do leave the EU, it'll not be under that mob because it's they're bad actors, they're acting in bad faith. And that's when you see the, the loudest voices, anti-VAR up here, as you say, it's Celtic through Sutton, through Hartson, just shouting this garbage. A team that's won four treble, four consecutive trebles talking about the world being against them as a conspiracy against yeah, them, yeah, yeah. you know. And I think that would just make me go right. If they if they hate it, I want it. You know, I want we better keep VAR the new until it's you know we can look at it objectively. Um, and I just think the whole thing with Partick Thistle it was beautiful. It was absolutely. Beautiful. I thought it was lovely, and it, I can't believe. It. I mean, I can believe it because the few times I've watched that uh, the, the the show on a Friday you're talking about, but to say it was patronising Partick Thistle, it was the game. Yeah. Michael Beale would have, you know, he was get hunted by the Rangers support if he'd gone out the Scottish Cup. He was caught of an hour away for, you know, going out the Scottish Cup, maybe going to penalties or whatever. It was, it was, it was tying the game with quarter now to go against the Championship side. They'd been patronising them for four nothing up or five nothing up that we were supposed to be, and then we gave them a week. Oh, we didn't like that. There you go, make a big gesture. That's patronising. It was there was total peril involved. Um, it was a lovely thing to do, and it was one of the moments that actually made me just realise a thing that's been completely forgotten and your Suttons are the kind of people who are helping you forget it is that football is it's actually a sport that sport's short for sporting we actually don't get anywhere without referees the game doesn't happen without refs we're not entitled to be angry about it and to get annoyed in that but and the game doesn't happen without you having a basic respect for your opponents and to have people continually slandering it's actual slander of the referees, the guys who this game doesn't happen, the guys and girls who this game doesn't happen without, and every opponent. That's what gets me. It's the way we've discussed this before, mate. I don't mean this against Celtic fans. Obviously, we've all got big thoughts with Celtic fans. I mean, it's the way Celtic have been run since Law was involved. It's this kind of, if if it's no working, we're going to burn the house down. You know, we're going to burn the game down if we don't win it. And it's like, <laughs> I don't really care I think it sits hard, it sits quite healthily. There's no hypocrisy involved. He said it side by side and say, yes, I would always do that for Partick Thistle, who, by the way, I know their fans, they despise us as much as anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. But I would not do that for Celtic, who have called the league early, who have got the, the, the break moved to suit themselves, who have yeah. you know derided every single achievement we've We've, we've had in the last few years of it's been cheating it's been mis- I have no problem at all showing them zero extra respect because that's what that is it's extra respect we'll show them the basics or else we can't be in the same field as them you know but I think what, what Sutton's doing up here is actually dangerous and I just hope the wee report he did for you know London BBC on Monday on the dangers to referees by people continually using them as a scapegoat for their personal problems I hope he learns to extend that to, to Scotland but it's more dangerous yeah, aye. I don't think so, eh? but we'll, no. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Gary, another thing that, that, that Bill mentioned was the, the sort of contract situation. You know, he was asked about, you know, what's, what's 
could be happening in the summer. Uh, it's his opinion that he thinks the squad is currently too big, you know. So I think he'll be looking to to to, to move a few on in the summer. As you said earlier on, he's looking for two players and sort of each position. Uh, and I think he said like an extra goalkeeper, an extra striker, stuff like that. Uh, but there's two main names that are sort of getting talked about a lot at the moment that are, that are out of contract uh, in the summer. That's that's uh, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Ken. And he also said, you know. Essentially, said that futures are there to be decided. I think he's putting the, the onus on the players to say, if you want to stay here, well, you need to start performing. You need to start winning trophies. You need to start winning games. You need to start showing that that, that, that you're good enough to play for Rangers Football Club. But the good to understand, the good to, to know. Sorry, your your feelings on on Kent and Morelos. I mean, Ryan Kent. I don't think anyone can deny uh, we've started to see the best of him over the last few weeks since uh, Michael Beale returned. Alfredo Morelos, I'm I'm a bit I'm not so sure about when it comes to Morelos if I, if I want to offer him a contract into the season. Where are you with, with those two? Because those those are two big names, uh, and you know, especially with Ryan Kent, you know, he cost us seven million. I think it'd be a, a mild disaster if if he walked out the door for free. Yeah, I think you want to take that in consideration. The fees paid. Um, I spoke about Tavernier earlier about repaying his fee. He could. Say Morelos has done that, but I'm not quite sure Kent has. It's a it's a tough one because we we know how good the pair of them are, but they didn't do it enough, and that, that's the big frustration for me. Um, because I think I Bill had said that they're, they're happy, they know they're, they're they are playing well, so I'm hoping they're maybe in a, a good place. And you're you're seeing what's happening with Bassi and Aribo, um, who I'm sure they'll they'll still be in touch with. They not in the best of times either, so I'm hoping they'll see it's maybe no, no as good and when you leave Rangers. Um, I'm sure Bill, was it Bill mentioned that? It was an interview I said, he says one positive is if they did go, it frees up a hell of a lot of wages to bring in top class replacements. Yeah. Um, I really don't know, I'm in, I'm in two minds. I think you've got to take it as, are you getting the, the, the players that we know they are, or are you getting the, the players that they go off the boil a wee bit for for certain parts of the season, certainly in Alfredo Morelos' case, which is very frustrating and some most kind of many times he's let us down over the years, but then the amount of good times he's gave us as well. So it's it's a tough one, I'm not quite sure. I'm still still on the fence with that. Still on the more, fence with that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we I think um, Ross Bennett was on and, and I was mayor, can get him away, get him away. But as I said, the last few weeks I think he's upped his game a wee bit and he looks looks like he wants to be here, so I'm back in the fence. It's the fact they can't run that, that, that I have issues with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, people, people come at me on Twitter. People come at me on Twitter saying, you know, I act like an, you know, a spurned ex when it comes to Morelos. And, and I, I actually love the guy. You know what I mean? You can think a guy's time at Ibrox is up. It doesn't mean you, you hate him or dislike the player. It just means you think it's maybe time to, to try something new. And I'm, I think I'm there with... Listen, I just think uh, I think he's let us down consistently over you know, he scored loads of goals. I mean and, and especially in Europe, his his record in Europe's phenomenal. But, you know, every now and again, you know, you just know he's gonna let us down at some point. And it, it, it tends to be with the off the park stuff, you know, coming back, overweight and stuff like that. So I'm just thinking, as you say, I think he's on that list that came out of all the players' salaries, he was on upwards of thirty grand. You know, I would I would hope if 
if the recruitment was done properly, you could get a really good striker for for that sort of money in terms of uh, their salary. So, but we'll see. Kent, I would, I would. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want him to go because of the seven million facts. But but in terms of his performances, you know, three four months ago, I'd have been like, no, I'd be a sore one to take if he walks for free. But in terms of his performances, are we really losing that much? But we've seen recently what he's capable of. You know, he's he's definitely got his his mojo back, so to speak. It, 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 it seems to me that he, he likes working for Beal, and he's getting the best out of him. So, out of the two, if we could only get the one, I would probably go with Kent. But eh, we'll see what comes. Hey guys, before we wrap up, I, th- I thought it would be good to, to 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 have a wee discussion about the news through the week that. Uh, the proposed deal between uh, Dave King and Club 1872 has has failed. You know, so Club 1872 won't be taking on uh, King's shareholding. It, King released a statement saying he was terminating the deal, citing five reasons, which are some supporters prefer to own shares directly rather than through uh, a fan organisation like Club 1872. Uh, some supporters would uh, support joint fan ownership, but not within Club 1872. Uh, the difficult economic conditions, so obviously maybe people don't have as much disposable cash to to, to contribute. Uh, supporters no longer feel that, that the club is under threat, uh, which is something I wouldn't agree with. Uh, and the club's recent campaign against Club 1872 and its officers, which again, I think, slightly political and straining uh, uh, an area that we probably don't want to go. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about this? Is an opportunity missed? I mean, given some of the, the current ownership issues that you see, I mean, especially in England, you know, when you look at the, the whole Man City thing and, you know, Qatar, a Qatar uh, organisation is looking to take over Man United. They've got a bid in for them. You know, you hear Liverpool fans, you know, moaning that that, that was proposed that, you know, Qatar or, or Saudi Arabia ownership was coming in. So when you look down in England, it, it, it's a real issue, you know, in terms of the ownership. And, I mean, I lean towards fan ownership or fan representation anyway. Uh, so how do you feel? Because to, to me, it feels like an opportunity missed. Aye, and, and you're, you're talking about the, the politics uh, of the whole 1870, Club 1872, Dave King thing with the boards being something you don't want to get into. I couldn't get into it because I don't really understand it. I, I don't. I haven't had my ear to the ground in this one um, at all over the years, Colin. It's almost like I got kind of you know politics fatigue We having that happened in, in, in 2012 and it was just get the scarf on pay at the gate and you know, be a supporter. So that was my way of kind of uh, just going to the games and just 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 back the team and uh, just put the money in, uh, in in the kind of normal routine ways. Um, and I admire people who, and I totally understand, you know, and a lot without a lot of these people who did have the energy for the campaign and, and what have you, I wouldn't have a club to support. So I'm no, I'm neither, you know, here nor there. I'm, I'm neither for or against any people involved because I don't really, I don't really understand uh, what's, What's going on behind it? I know there is a lot of politics. Um, it seems like Club 1872 have managed to up their, still managed to up their, their shareholding, you know, through what they have bought, uh, be Dave King, if I was reading that correctly. And there didn't seem to certainly, there didn't seem to be any acrimony in the, certainly the official statements anyway between King and Club 1872. And I couldn't, same as yourself, I, I wouldn't want to comment on the, what acrimony there is between the board in Club 1872 and, uh, and, uh, and Dave. I've always said, I've always said a thing. I've always said um, after 2012, it seemed like we were kind of a better class of gangster. We were getting slow. Then we moved on to kind of be cowboys, and we eventually got to a point where the board just now, I buy and large, you know, without being naive about it, that 
this is fan ownership for me. You've got a bunch of guys who support Rangers who own the club, you know, and that's maybe the model that the situation we're in just now, we need almost like, I'm, as I say, I'm a, a total snowflake, you know, a libtard, whatever you want to call it, you know, when it comes to politics, when it comes to real life, you know, protest everything and, you know, make everything as democratic as possible. But my football, I'm a total fascist. I want one guy in charge who knows what he's doing. Same with the manager. I want a manager who's total hardcore and, you know, has got the players running about wanting to die for him um, under fear of pain of death. And, it's, and the same with the board as well. I think you need, especially the situation we're in just now, you know, one single one. So, and that's what would happen under fan ownership as well. Actual, you know, bona fide, you know, genuine fan ownership as you're, as you're describing it, as you're meaning you eventually have to have somebody who's in charge you know, so the club can run as smoothly and as quickly uh, as possible in these fast-paced uh, times. But it's a real balancing act and it's uh, I don't want to comment one way or the other because I, I, I don't know how it would work. Um, but I, I want I want Rangers to do well and obviously we don't want to go back to the situation we found ourselves in with the worst gangster of all and, and Craig White. So uh, I am kind of I, I can't really offer anything because I don't really know how it all works, mate. Um, but it's a, you're right, it's an actual, it's a real dichotomy today. Um, I'm actually glad we're not involved in the English scene. It was like, you know, you had that wee moment when you were younger, you're thinking, maybe we should go to England, maybe we should move to England. But no, you have to have basically the money for somebody who decapitates 122 folk a year, you know, to, to, to get yourself yeah. into the league, the league Cup final, you know. So <laughs> we've got into a League Cup final under guys who've got own a lot of buses and a lot of cars. That'll, that's that's uh, that's that's all right for me. I can live with that, you know. Gary, in, in terms of Club 1872, you know, where does this leave them? Because th- th- there are obvious issues. It seems to me there's trust issues with, you know, a lot of the fan base and, and that particular organisation. And when, and when you consider, you know, especially, I, I think Foundation Hearts is maybe the best example. When you look at what a success that's been, you know, the supporters feel... Uh, involved, they feel like they have a voice you know, they have someone in Ann Budge I know she's got her critics and all the rest of it but Hearts strike me as a, as a well-run club and the supporters, okay you'll have folk that are not happy with certain things here and there, but that whole relationship does seem to be working, you know the Foundation of Hearts and Ann Budge and all that kind of thing, so there, there, there are examples out there and I think the German model as well you know, I, I, I remember seeing footage from the Bayern Munich uh, you know, the annual meeting and all that kind of thing with the board. And, and because the supporters have a huge shareholding, they, they can actually veto things. You know, fans were standing up saying, there's no way you're signing a contract with that organisation because they're responsible for this, this, this and this. And it's not happening. And they've got a real voice. You know, the, the, it's not it's not just turning up at an AGM and saying, oh, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with that. And the board go, aye, okay, we'll look into it. And you never really hear anything again on that issue. Uh, you know, they've got a proper voice. They can veto stuff. So to me, there are positive things there for, for if not fan ownership, then definitely having a, a significant shareholding and, and having a voice and having a say and having the ability to say to people that are running the club, I actually know we're not happy with that and I don't think you should do that. So again, it's coming back to this missed opportunity thing. It's If, if Club 1872 had, had a better reputation, I think it could work in a similar way to how found, Foundation Hearts has worked, you know, which, which is, as I said, that, that seems to be the best example of, of, of that type of group. Yeah, I think the problem with Club 1872 is there's a lot of secrecy. Um, there's a couple of people that actually called the shots and they weren't having AGMs and things like that, so people didn't actually know what was going on. Um, like I, I was... Uh, a member of Rangers first and that uh, started and uh, as soon as I amalgamated with uh, I think it was a trust 
to create this club 1872, I, I pulled away from it because what was happening, what I, I seem to remember happening was it was the same kind of names that were coming that you, you always heard of, that usually trouble came behind them. So I, I don't know if it was people try the blazer chase, as they say, and then seemed to be Dave King was involved with them a bit more than he should have been or, or can putting the strings a bit more than they should have been. So there's, so there's a lot of trust issues with them. And I think that's probably what, until that gets rectified and uh, they're a bit more transparent, I don't think anything will change. And uh, like for, for the, the reputation of them, but certainly fan ownership, if done correctly, that would be my choice to how to go, even if it's something like 30%. Um, ownership of the club or something as you say that I'm sure it's over 25% you can um, you've got quite a lot of power um, yeah. that's something that we should certainly be, be looking at but uh, I, the, the idea's there but I don't think Club 1872 in its current guise is the is the correct vessel to, is, to do that is, is the, the answer I mean I can remember joining the Rangers Trust you know, years ago, that's about 20 years ago now, uh, and, and Colin Glass and all those guys uh, and I was actually there at the opening the opening meeting that I think it was at Partick Borough Halls and Mark Walters was the sort of he came in as a chairman and all that kind of thing and there was a real I mean I mean the motivation at that point was concerns about David Murray you know and where the club was heading financially and all that kind of thing and I think I, I remember saying to folk at the time you know I can remember standing in the veil uh, waiting on my train after I'd been to a game at Ibrox and I got talking to another Rangers fan and I was saying oh I'm in the Rangers Trust and all the rest of it and he was like oh, what are you not for he was like David Murray is Rangers and I thought, that's that's an issue right there. And I says, no, mate, Rangers were there long, long before David Murray was, and they were there long after he's, you know, he's he's gone. I says, and you know, I think at the time Rangers were like sixty, seventy million in debt or something like that. You know, I says, you know, as a support, we need to take more of an interest in this stuff because it's our club. You know, what I mean, this guy shouldn't be just running riot and doing what he wants. And well, we all know where we ended up. You know, what I mean, we ended up in the, the third tier of Scottish football because. You know, because of poor governance, really. And I think if the support had more of a voice at that point, if if more people had listened to the Rangers Trust at that point, it maybe wouldn't have been avoided. I, you know, maybe maybe the situation was was too far gone. I don't know, but I, I just felt they were ignored because no one, everyone was so into David Murray. Everyone was so believing in David Murray. No one was listening to this relatively small band of supporters saying, actually, you know what, we maybe need to start asking questions. And I think that's what it's about. It's about supporters taking responsibility of their club and taking an interest in how it's run. And and I think having this mentality of, or oh, win at any cost, you know, I don't care who's in charge of the club, as long as they're bringing money and signing the best players. I've got I've got a real issue with that. I, you know, I want the club to be run properly. I want it to be doing things uh, the right way and, and all the rest of it, and not just taking, you know, money from some dodgy organisation to ensure that we get the best players. So, but I think you're right. I think clubs uh, eighteen seventy two. I don't think that's going to be the vehicle to get us to to, to that place. Uh, right, guys, looking at the time, uh, I'll, I'll wrap things up. I, I need to mention though the. There's uh, the Hall of Fame dinner tonight, uh, and I've been getting updates as I've been live. So hold on, the night I see who's so Alan McGregor. So a big congratulations to Shagger. Uh, he has <laughs> been inducted into the, into the Hall of Fame uh, for his football exploits. Another thing. That's a that's a different Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? <laughs> aye, aye. But uh, 
he's been inducted in the Hall of Fame for his his goalkeeping capabilities, as has Stephen Davis, uh, which I think we can all agree is, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. well deserved. Especially considering uh, his current predicament, so a big uh, congratulations to those two guys. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, even if Alan McGregor has blocked me on Twitter, anyway, we'll not get into that. <laughs> uh, so right, I where am I? I've lost my place here. I'll get my agenda back up. Right, guys. So uh, that's us. So a big thanks to Eck and uh, to Gary. Uh, great stuff from them as always. We were live tonight. We were live on the Sunday night. Uh, but the, the the show will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all your usual places, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll have a show out on Friday night. I believe it's Craig and Doogie who are on on Friday night previewing the League Cup final. We'll have a show out next Sunday night, obviously. Uh, maybe not if we're all celebrating winning the League Cup. I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, uh, but in the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, and until next time, guys, bye for now.